Today marks the beginning of something new. This podcast will seek to set right all the wrongs perpetrated by humans against animal kind, and to hold those who would hurt our animal brethren accountable. We do our work from the shadows to protect ourselves and our loved ones, but we will expose those who self-identify as zoophiles, cross-species enthusiasts, and the like. For too long, humankind has regarded animals as objects to be manipulated for their own personal satisfaction. Things without thoughts and feelings who can't feel pain or pleasure. We will give voice to those animals so they can no longer be ignored. The first zoophile to be exposed is a household name in the fantasy community. He's even appeared in movies, on television, and has had roles in video games. This zoophile is... The Lord of Horses himself, Shadowfax! That's right! You know him as Gandalf the White's trusty steed, who fought alongside the wizard during the Siege of Gondor. Before meeting his life partner, it is said that Shadowfax could not be tamed by any man. We caught up with Shadowfax just as he was leaving for Valinor. Tis true. I believe no man worthy of my shadow, for they price me not but for what they could take from me. When Gandalf approached me, I viewed him with the same disregard. That I let him mount me was no small gesture. But he proved a kind lover, in tune with my wild heart, a force of nature befitting of the mares. He listened to my desires, and he pleasured me in ways no mare ever could. But don't you know, sex between animals and humans is abuse! Balderdash! I've never hurt Gandalf. My girth may be thicker than an archer's drawing arm, but Gandalf the White is more than capable and willing to handle me at full mast. Do you take him for a milksop? A weanling? A babe capable of making his own decisions? Do you doubt the ability of the Maya to handle my bestial form? That one would suggest I would abuse the one man I've come to love as offensive, and I'll have no more talk of him. There you have it, folks, straight from the horse's mouth. Stay tuned for more Zooey adventures here on Zooier Than Thou. Yeah! Hey there, friends and colleagues. Welcome to the premiere episode of Zooier Than Thou. I'm Fausty. And I'm Toggle. And we'll be your chaperones for this evening. Now, I know what you're thinking. Not another zoo podcast. Yes, there are a metric fuckton out there. We know that. There's oceans of them. Seems like there's more <laughs> every day. But at the end of the day, zoo's got a zoo. And hopefully we can make this one a gym that stands out against all that coal. So how does that work exactly? Well, we kind of banter back and forth a bit. Then we give a shout out to our sponsors. Wow, we have sponsors? Oh, uh, sure do. Of course, they're expecting us to break all kinds of news and events. If we turn out to be just another copycat zoo podcast, it'll probably get really lonely here sponsor-wise, so we have a lot to live up to. Fair enough. So here's the deal. Yes, there are a bunch of zoo podcasts that wax gravely about issues central to the zoo community. That's all well and good, but we wanted to do something a little different with our podcast. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we can get so bogged down by the politics of the zoo world that we forget that being, quote, people like us, unquote, is more than just saving the world. There is a lighter side. Yeah. So we're getting in touch with our inner animals. 
or are we getting touched by our inner animals? Well, what I'd say is we're here to ask important questions, such as, why does Nick Wilde wear clothes? How come ducks only have to wear a shirt, but mice <laughs> only have to wear pants? Is Disney's Beauty and the Beast really just an excuse to apply Rule 34? Honestly, Disney's creepy view <laughs> of non-humans might be at the root of a lot of society's problems. That's probably true. It's a bit of a heavy topic, maybe for another day. However, speaking of festering social problems, let's talk a bit about Beast Form. Ah, uh, yes. I remember in college, a friend of mine was showing off his shiny new Gmail account, and I couldn't help but notice he had a notification for a new reply on a Beast Form thread. Those days are now officially behind us. Beast Form is no more. Goodbye and good riddance, as far as I'm concerned. Look. As far as I'm concerned, that whole mess is exactly what happens when non-zoos try to monetize cross-species erotica. It's an unmitigated disaster. Mm. And full disclosure, I have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with the assholes running Beast Forum for nearly 20 years. They <laughs> have shown a total disregard, not only for non-humans, but also the zoo community. I have done my best for years to demonetize that site and to remove their ability to support themselves financially. Many of us mm. did, frankly, and it looks like it paid off, though really I haven't been involved in that effort for many years. I still have to say score one for the good guys, eh? Yeah, and you know, honestly, the idea of paying to download pieces of movies and having to put them back together like jigsaw puzzles was fucking ridiculous. People were putting up media freely and they shoved it behind a paywall. Not unique to the forum either. Gay Beast, one of their affiliated sites, frequently took free videos and even furry animations distributed on Fur Affinity and put them behind a paywall. It was fucking ludicrous. Oh, yeah. Beast Forum resold zoo materials across just about every one of their crumbling, low rent, garbage ass paid porn sites. It really ended up happening to all of us sooner or later. If you were around in the community, it was like a rite of passage to find that at some point you had your own dedicated page on one of their for pay websites. Not something any of us ever really wanted. In the early days, I got to admit, Beast Forum hated me so much that they would post fake comments I had made on the forum, ostensibly written by me. They were so stupid about it at one point that they were posting fake stuff allegedly written by me while I was actually in federal prison, which is a good <laughs> alibi when you think about it. I mean, it is hard to post on zoo forums from federal prison, folks. I can tell you that firsthand. <laughs> Not only that, but those obnoxious monsters were actively encouraging posts of materials that were violent, abusive, non-consensual, just horrible. And they profited from it every step along the way. It, it mm. was really a disgusting parasite on the community and a blot on the internet. As hard as it is to imagine something being a blot on the internet, Beast Forum certainly <laughs> was. I have to say I'm proud of the role that I played, especially early on, in trying to bring that site back down to earth and to shut it down for good, and I'm glad to see that it's gone. Yeah. You know, I once contacted them about a privacy matter on Gay Beast, and they basically told me, sorry asshole, your privacy doesn't matter. We don't give a shit about protecting zoos and your public profiles get us hits on Google. No deleting accounts because it took from their bottom line. Fuck them. Well, you know, at this point, those guys can all go get jobs bagging groceries or whatever the hell it is that wannabe closeted zoos like them do when a gravy train gets shut down. Who knows? I, I don't really know where they go from here. <laughs> I, I will say this. Uh, there, there, There is word that what's likely to replace them may be... Uh, 
both more interesting and vastly more healthy than mm-hmm. the Beast Forum that is now gone. We may have news on that later on in the show. We'll see. All right. Well, if you have your own Beast Forum horror stories, we'd love to hear them. Feel free to drop us a line using the form on the website at zoo.wtf. Don't even need to disclose an email address. Speak openly if you so choose. All right. So what else do we want to talk about? We've got like two more minutes to kill. Well, let's talk a little bit about the theme for today's podcast the exposure solution. Mm, Yeah, so we're already seeing the phones light up with complaints that we outed Shadowfax as a zoo. That was predictable. It was a bold decision we made, but we did get his express permission to air his orientation on the podcast, and I can't say that there's been any harm done there. And look, don't worry, folks. I I literally wrote the zoo community pledge more than a decade ago, specifically rejecting outing of zoos. I am the last person on the planet who is going to (laughs) out a zoo without their permission. With any luck, some of you are here because you heard about us from our unwitting supporters who participated in the hate party campaign. Indeed. I just want to give a big thanks to all (laughs) of the anti-zoo bigots who have helped to promote and encourage others to take a look at our podcast. I have to say that was totally unintentional. Very sorry about the confusion. Boy, we sure do appreciate it all the same. And I hope you're reading between the lines because every message in those hate party tweets was absolutely true. That's a good point, Toggle. There were no lies in that messaging whatsoever. And that does matter to us here at Zero Than Thou. In fact, I would say the truth itself matters a great deal and it always will. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the truths we're going to explore on the podcast is how there's always this funny assumption when we talk about zoos that the question is that only about humans and our prejudices against one another. In zoos, we've always known better, though. It's not about the humans. It's about everybody. So with this podcast, what we're really all about is uh, celebrating primarily the non-human side of things, their agency, their wisdom, their interests, and above all else, the well-being of the non-humans that share our lives. Mm -hmm. They do deserve their own voice. More than that, they deserve to have their agency and their adulthood both respected and embraced. So true. And treating animals as if they have no desires, no free will, no autonomy. It's dishonesty like that which allows us to tolerate heinous factory farm practices, to imprison and torture hundreds of millions of our sentient brethren. That and more to castrate them, to mutilate them, to literally cut off the adult parts of them, a purely non-consensual violence towards victims who are completely unable to defend their own bodies from these attacks. All of these terrible, terrible things we do to other species serve to reinforce a frankly evil worldview that sees animals as sexless, powerless, childish, forever enslaved, quote unquote, lower beings. Everything about that, everything about that is just awful. It, it, it really reflects, it reflects the worst of humanity's self-centered, solipsistic, self-important bullshit. But as zoos, we know better, don't we, Toggle? All right, Fausty. When you see people out there touting hate speech against zoophiles, it's because we upset the order of things. Absolutely true. We as zoos directly challenge the assumed separation of humans from everybody else who shares residency on this planet with us. As zoos, we undermine that imaginary distancing by truly and genuinely embracing our non-human colleagues as equals, as friends, as partners, 
By our very existence as zoos, we destroy that false placement of humans as separate or above everybody else. Normals may think they're better than mere quote-unquote animals. Well, sorry, zoos know better than all that. <laughs> well, Fausty, you really just had a zooier than thou moment there, didn't you? <laughs> Indeed, I did. And it happens. Look, I'm old, I'm gray, I'm also dying of cancer. I'm entitled to a little bit of zooier now and again, aren't I? Can't argue with that. So, to all you haters out there, thanks for the exposure. Bigotry and hatred are so passe. And this podcast is ready to counterattack with a strategic deployment of irreverent, zooey humor, and terrible zooey puns. Puns are a most valuable weapon against bigotry. We will literally pun the zoophobes into abject submission. <laughs> so sit back and relax, fellow zoos. There's more zooier than thou coming right up after this. This week's podcast is sponsored by Stud Sparkliest Testicle Glitter. Show off your stud with style. Also by Bitch Burka. Keep that temptress covered. And finally, Disney. Inexplicably putting animals in clothes since 1973. to the show. We've had a lot of great questions from our audience, but now we'd like to take some time to answer questions from our listeners at home. Remember, if you'd like to have your questions featured on our show, simply hand-write a letter and have it delivered as a canine stripogram. Or, if you're a posable thumb challenged, leet into a can attached to a cell phone tower and we'll be honored to answer your tawdriest inquiries. The tawdrier the better. Those give us the greatest ratings boosts. Too true. Our first letter today comes from Naughty in Nova Scotia. Naughty writes, Dear Zooey, I love my human dearly, and recently we've decided to take that to the next level. But I've discovered he has a very strange fetish for peanut butter, and I simply don't understand. I try to indulge him, but the peanut butter just gets stuck to my gums, and I end up licking my teeth more than I'm licking his junk. And what's worse, by the time I finally finish cleaning it off him, he slathered even more onto his balls. I want to make my human happy, but I don't know how much longer I can stand the taste of peanuts. What should I do? Ah, oh, yes. Peanut butter is a common fetish for humans. Indeed. You hear about it in movies and TV all the time. Well, Nutty, it might seem awkward, but perhaps it's best to sit your human down and have an honest talk about his peanut butter fetish. Often, humans believe that their partners love the taste, and by continuing to indulge him by licking it off, you're accidentally reinforcing this expectation. When you see him pull out the jar, voice your disapproval and refuse to clean him off. Find ways to spontaneously initiate sexual play in situations where peanut butter is out of reach. Humans can be slow to understand, but, if you're patient, you can use the principles of operant conditioning to train your human not to use peanut butter. Don't be afraid to give him a click with your clicker when he gets it right. He'll figure it out eventually. That is very sound advice we can all keep in mind. Thank you for your question, Nutty. Our next question comes from Sheepless in Seattle. Sheepless writes, Dear Zooey, I recently moved to the big city to find a job, but every day, Little things remind me of my you back home. The feel of a wool sweater on these cold, foggy days, or a passing scent that reminds me of the country. I miss her something fierce, but job opportunities are scarce out in the boondocks. 
What should I do? Long-distance relationships can be very difficult. Indeed they can. Sheepless, I have some very practical advice for you. Move back to the countryside and be with your you. In today's high-speed society, there's no reason to be tied to a city to find work in the tech industry. More and more, companies are offering work-from-home opportunities that you can take advantage of. Long-distance relationships can be especially hard on your animal companions. For them, emails from far away or even phone calls every day don't cut it. They require affection in person even more than humans do. You owe it to your relationship to go back to the farm and invest in high-speed internet. Love waits for no man or you. Get to it. Wow, I couldn't have said that better myself. Thanks so much for that question, Sheepless. We've got high hopes for your relationship. This next letter is from Dearly in Duluth. She writes, Dear Zoo... I mean, Dear Zooey. <laughs> oh, I see. She misspelled Dear the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dear Zooey, I live in a very wooded area. The forest is very dear to me, and I spend a lot of time wandering the woods on the weekend. There's a big buck that I've been fawning over for some time. Every time I see him, I go doe-eyed, and my knees practically buckle under me. He's staggeringly beautiful, and to be perfectly honest, I'm too faint of heart to approach him directly. I'm not sure about the ROE for something like this. How do I confess my love? This is a great question, Geely. You know, 20 years ago, all the textbooks would have said, wait until rutting season and hope he notices you among all the other winsome, nubile lady suitors. But times have really changed. Indeed they have. And the modern way puts the politics of the herd on a post-Me Too even footing. No more sexist stereotypes that say, the one with the antlers makes the first move. And what's more, the millennial stag appreciates a woman who has the confidence to approach first. Steal your heart, Geely. The ball is completely in your court. And remember, no buck worth your buck will look down on you for stepping out of traditional gender roles. But remember his pride, ladies. If you're asking him out for a dinner date, offer to split the tab. Paying the whole check could dent his ego, while forcing him to hoof the bill on a date you set up is bad manners. Above all, dearly, remember that you're worth it. If you can convey a sense of self-confidence, any heart will take notice. But you need to believe it yourself. Best of luck bagging a prize buck, dearly. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Looking to spice up your night with an unforgettable experience? Come on down to Tijuana Tommy's. Tommy's delivers what we assume is an authentic Tijuana experience. Tamales, sports, and live donkey shows. Visit us every weeknight from 5 to 8 for our happy hour drink special. Two piping hot cup shots. Right from the tap for only $2. Don't miss our 50 cent tamale specials every Tuesday and Thursday with donkey shows every half hour after 9 p.m. Wednesday night is ladies night. Come on down and go around with old Hector for free. Ready for the big game? Tommy's got you covered with our 75-inch flat-screen 4K TVs. Come for the football, stay for the halftime show. Don't miss out on Saturday Night Fever. When Hector pulls out all the stops, performing a whopping 500 shows in one night. Be sure to tip the ladies and give that stud a pat on the rump for a job well done. 
after church, come on in for Sunday Morning Brunch. Kids eat for free, and they won't want to miss out on a chance to ride Senior Burrow. It's a blast for the whole family. You'll never have to leave the comfort of your local suburb to find the excitement you assume can only be found south of the border ever again. So come on down to Tijuana Tommy's. Almost certainly an American version of an authentic Tijuana experience. And we're back. If you're just joining us, we've been answering questions from our listeners at home. Remember, if you want your letters to be featured on our show, all you need is a little chicken wire, a weather balloon, and a short-range broadcast satellite. And we'll happily answer any question we pick up on the radio waves. Here's a letter from Tiny in Toronto. Tiny writes, Dear Zooey, there's a mare I've had a thing with for a while now, but I can't help but notice that when we're out, she's always eyeing the stallions in the pasture. I know what she's thinking, and it makes me feel inadequate. I really want to stand out so her eyes are always on me. What can I do to really impress my mare? This is a common problem for a lot of guys. Gents, remember, there's a reason why AVs for stallions come in sizes up to 24 inches. This is why it's important to play to your strengths. Don't compete with a stallion at a game you can't hope to win. Here are some very practical ways you can leave a great impression on your galloping gal. It's always a good idea to have a change of pace. <sighs> Buy her a new halter! It's a small thing, but it helps to show that you care. Symbols of your love matter. When grooming, spend a little extra time brushing her hair and make pleasant conversation. Ask her how her day went. Show interest in her day-to-day -day life. To you, she may be an intimidating sex queen, but she's also just an everyday gal with everyday problems. Don't let her charisma drown out your ability to imagine yourself as an equal to her. And that might sound crazy, She's beautiful, and graceful, and full of mysterious equine wisdom. But you have to make that image real in your mind so she can see you as more than a quick service station fling. Splurge a little on a nice new blanket. Something that really sets off her mane, brings out her merry curves, and makes her feel like the lady she most certainly is. But if she asks if it makes her look fat, do, do not, not answer. answer! The only good response to that question is, you always look beautiful, no matter what you wear. Great advice. Now, when it comes to being intimate, remember, play to your strengths. Stallions have girth, length, and power on you, and those shortcomings make it all the more important to remember that sex with you is all about her. Take your time. Stallions just can't deliver that slow and steady grind your mare craves. Your stamina and patience will help you stand out. And if you really want to make an impression, spend some time going down on your lady friend. No stallion does oral sex well, and that's a place where you can really set yourself apart from the hooved competition. Celebrate her as a goddess with your oral worship, and she'll think of you as more than just a food delivery mechanism. Don't be shy about it either. Follow her lead, take your time, and she'll let you know when you're spot-on perfect with your oral attentions. The amount of time you spend making her feel special is what's going to set you apart from any run-of-the-mill stallion. Hit it and done might as well be the stallion's hookup mantra. Sure, they have the equipment to get away with that kind of selfish machismo, but you've got your own tools and you've got to be smart about using them. You're always going to feel second-rate in her presence. That's just a fact of nature. Rise to the challenge, Tiny, and do your best to be her equal. You've got this. 
That's some really useful advice. I hope you guys out there took good notes. Here's our last letter of the day, and this one's from Studley in Strasbourg. Oh, a listener from across the pond. Always great to hear from our German listeners. Studley writes, Dear Zooey, I've been dating a real hunk of a human for about two months now. The sex is great. He's got a real tight ass that really squeezes in all the right ways. And he's great company during long ties. But he gives the absolute worst blowjobs I've ever had in my entire life. I love him to death, don't get me wrong. But the moment he goes down on me, I completely lose interest in sex. He's really eager though, and seems to love getting a taste. But he doesn't seem to learn no matter how many times we try. What should I do? Wow, if I could count the number of times I've gotten a bad blowjob. None for me, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no indeed. To her credit, my co-host gives great post-show head. But Studley, I hope your two-legged paramour is listening right now, because I'm about to give him some advice that could save your relationship. And I hope you're listening out there, dog lovers, because this is need-to-know information. Here's the tip. Hold the sheath, not, not the, the shack. shack. I cannot express enough how important this is. And it's something so many people get wrong. Remember, stud dogs don't have a setup with thick, rugged skin on their members. In fact, his skin when he's erect is paper thin and so, so sensitive. It's not designed for grabbing or rubbing. That's a two-legger thing, folks. You've got to think of his shaft as a delicate, finely wrought musical instrument. Careful, careful, careful. For the same reason, you really have to watch your teeth. If you think it hurts as a human, imagine how your canine companion feels when your over-eager retentions result in teeth meeting that delicate shaft skin. And this is the reason I also stress that deep-throating your canine companion should not be the goal. Unless he's small all around, it's not gonna work, and it's gonna be anything but fun for him when you try. Save the tie for the other end. You're not trying to knot your face, fellas. Heavens no. Putting aside the obvious issue of getting the knot into your mouth without biting down, just because you get something in doesn't mean it's going to come back out. That could be a world of pain for both you and your patient pooch. That said, you don't want to let your boyfriend's cock dry out in the open air. That can lead to pain when his dick finally slides back into his sheath. Keep this in mind and give that shaft a careful spit shine. All tongue, no teeth. Kisses are very perfect for this kind of gentle loving. Kisses up the shaft, kisses on his tip, very sensitive. And kisses especially down at the bottom and back of his knot. He'll love those in particular. Your job when he's erect and mid-orgasm is to keep him well lubed, protected from bumps or bruises, and properly worshipped with sweet, loving smooches. Once you master the basics, there are advanced techniques that bring out the best-in-class pleasure for your receptive stud. But we'll save those tricks for later so you can concentrate on the foundation. So to reiterate, hold, hold the sheath, not, not the, the shaft. shaft. Keep a nice tight grip on him throughout the blowjob, always behind his knot, always steady pressure around his entire girth, and always make sure he's well lubed and moist. And always, always be gentle with your canine companion's cock. Lips, kisses, and gentle suction along the shaft, and be sure to give that knot a loving smooch every once in a while. Follow this advice, and you're guaranteed to deliver an orgasm your four-legged boyfriend won't soon forget. That's what it's all about, folks. Bring him happiness and pleasure, and he'll never regret turning aside the latest bitchin' heat for time spent in your two-legged company. Your love for him is what energizes your intimate time with him. Don't just go through the motions of giving him pleasure. Give him all the pleasure he ever imagined, and then some. 
I hope you're taking notes. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Same zoo time, same zoo channel. Well, that's our show for today, folks. Hopefully you've had as much fun listening as we had making it. We'd like to give a huge shout out to the cast and crew. You guys made this all possible to pull together. We never would have gotten this off the ground without your help. Special thanks to the Cross Species Alliance and the Can't Be Porn Project for giving us a bit of a social media boost. Also, a somewhat unconventional shout out to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for making royalty-free music for podcasts, YouTube channels, and other media projects. Our deepest respect for your contributions and for your generosity, Mr. McLeod. If you haven't already done it, subscribe to our RSS feed and follow our Twitter accounts at Zooier Than Thou and at Ask Zooey. Currently, at Exposed Solution is still out there and we'll be transferring our main account there, so give that a follow as well. Finally, a special thanks from all of us here at the podcast to everyone who played along at the Hate Party game. Thanks for playing, folks. You guys know that we've got nothing but love for all of you, right? Also, don't forget to respond to our question from the beginning of the show. If you do have any experiences with the dumpster fire that was Beast Forum, we'd love to hear about it. Send us your message using the form on our website or direct message at one of the Twitter accounts and we'll get back in touch. We do respect your privacy, of course, though, as always, take care in what you share. Stay defiant, Zoos. We'll see you next time you feel like howling at the moon. Thanks for listening, folks.